Uh, welcome to Free Church. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you, greet you as well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Anthony. I'm pastor here of Free Church. And um, again, we want to thank, um, if you brought children, or if you've been bringing children, we want to thank you for your patience as um, our kids' wing is currently being remodeled. And we are anticipating it to be uh, open hopefully within two weeks. So not next Sunday, but our goal is the Sunday after that, which is the, uh, what is that, the 21st, I think it is. Um, that's when we're anticipating our kids wing being open. We do have kids ministry downtown. Um, right now we have limited that to ages three months to four years. Um, but as that grows downtown, we have other space that we could use. Um, Whoever is running sound, if you could turn me significantly down, that'd be awesome. I can only hear myself. Okay, so, um, but downtown, we have an amazing kids' wing, um, beautiful spot there as well. And we had some of you come out last night and, and put your kids in that kids', uh, kids wing for our worship night. And that's what we're doing. I know Dwayne mentioned it. I just want to reiterate again, every single Saturday night for the month of February, so that is the 10th, the 14th, and the 20th. I think I'm wrong here. The 10th, 17th, and 24th. 10th, 17th, 24th, we're having worship nights in downtown Salem at our new downtown location on Liberty and Ferry. And most of those times we'll be having guest worship leaders. Last night was a real laid back, mellow acoustic set. It was awesome. Um, we're going to have a full band this coming week and some exciting worship leaders and guests over the next few weeks as well. And for those of you who haven't checked out that space, come down, check it out this coming week. People were really surprised how large the space is. Um, it really is much, much bigger than you would anticipate or think. And then starting this coming Saturday, Saturday the 10th, every single Saturday night after our Saturday night service, we will be having an after party. And an after party is just extending the fellowship time after our service, and we'll be doing various things throughout the city every single Saturday. It will almost always involve food. And so if you want to get to know some people, we've had a lot of connection opportunities as a church lately. And so let's continue that momentum in these um, after parties after Saturday. And starting March the 3rd is when we will start having our normal Saturday night services, not worship nights, but just full services just like this downtown and here at Sunnyside with kids at both locations. And speaking of that, uh, we need a lot of volunteers right now for kids. And as Dwayne shared last week, we're really not um, passionate about volunteers. We're passionate about people serving Jesus. And so we're looking for people to serve Christ through free generation ministries, in particular kids ministries, so we can relaunch that well and healthy into this new year. Speaking of new year, that's what we've been doing is looking at the new year. We've, we have skipped a couple of series for the last couple of months as God has put it on our heart just to focus on some other things. And so we've been kind of looking at the entire new year. What are we doing? What is God doing in our lives this new year? And we've been recapping some things that we do as a church in order to get on the same page is that has been our theme since uh, October. And while I am fumbling around with this, give me one second here, because I cannot do it and talk at the same time. Ugh, ugh, okay, good. I got it. So people enjoy drinking cold. People enjoy drinking cold. Quenching, it is Your hair? Mom. Mom did. Okay, okay, cool. Super cuts, that's called. Okay, so you read that. So this is, this is our mission as a church. He's going to read, okay? So as a result of Matthew 28, 
Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and below I've with you to the ever ends of the age. Okay, so we're going to read the mission. Okay. Right here, okay. To connect people. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I don't have a microphone for you. Wait. <clears throat> Are you ready? Okay, okay. To connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. All right, Dawson. If I were to, if I were to cover your eyes, would you memorize what you just said? He said, yeah, okay, let's try. <laughs> to connect with people to a committing, everlasting life with Jesus Christ and with others. Holy cow, wow! <laughs> Wow, most of our assistant pastors don't know our mission statement. All right, Dawson's hired. Okay, good job, Dawson. Come on up. All right, so that, that's why we're here. If it's not about this, it's not worth it. It's to connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. And so everything we do as a church, everything you do this year needs to be about that thing. Mission is why you exist. And not only does every Christian have a mission that is to go make disciples, I believe because Ephesians 2 says that we as Christians are saved by grace through faith. Paul then says, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. That means that each and every one of you has a mission. Um, Sarah, did you want to read? Is that why you're coming up here? No, do you want to come up and read something? Okay, good. Okay, so she's focused. So everybody, Sarah has a mission. Everybody here has a mission, whether you're 84 years old. If you're 84 years old, say amen. 83 years old, say amen. All right, I knew I, knew I was close. I knew I was close, Bob. Whether you're 83 or 8, anybody here 8 today? Any 8-year-olds? Yes, amen, Kendra's eight years old. So she's got a mission. God has a mission for each and every one of us. It is why we exist. But the mission we must be about, as Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. We must be about this mission of making disciples. We then talked about vision because vision is different than mission. Mission is why you exist, but vision is who you want to be. Vision is who you are becoming. Vision is your goal. And so here at Free Church, we have this particular vision statement, and I'm calling on another Augsburger kid to come up and read. So come on up. Not Dawson this time. Yeah, come, come on up. Here we go. Is it Taya? Okay, yeah, come up. Come up. Taya's got a skip in her step. She's passionate about vision. Okay, remember, your brother memorized the mission, Okay. <laughs> Remember, Matthew 28, go make disciples. of. So I want you to read loud and proud into the microphone with your Newport, Oregon hoodie on and your matching tennis shoes and the skip in your step. I want you to read our vision statement, which is right here. To be a... Oh, wait, okay, start again. To be a multiplier movement of past innate followers of Jesus who inspect their community and beyond with grace and love and hope. Good job, Taya. Good job. Your parents said they were getting you guys a surprise for reading these uh, out loud after service. So 
vision is this. What is your vision? What do you desire to be? Where are you going? As a church, we want to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact our community and beyond with grace, love, and hope. Oftentimes, as Christians, we forget about the grace and love and hope part, don't we? But we have been impacted by God's grace. We have been impacted by God's love, and God's grace and his love gives us hope. And so when we are looking at a world that is perishing without Jesus Christ, just remember that Jesus Christ died for those who are perishing without him. And when we get angry at non-Christians for not acting like Christians, remember that they haven't met Jesus yet, and being mean and cruel and judgmental towards people who don't even know about Jesus is not really doing a lot to lead people to a Jesus who is full of grace, love, and hope. And so are you impacting people with grace, love, and hope? Is the coworker that drives you nuts on Monday morning being gracious and loving and hopeful, or are you actually discouraging them by your behavior or the way that you speak to them? And so mission and vision we have been discussing. And with vision... We talked about this in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he says, you guys have been doing a lot of good things, but I've got this one thing against you. Jesus says, you have forgotten your first what? Yeah, so you forgot your first love. I think it's the ESV says, you have forgotten the love that you had at first. And I, I told the story uh, about how uh, my wife relentlessly pursued me as a young boy when she was an older woman. <laughs> my wife and I had dinner with some new friends this last week, and their age difference was almost gross. That they they shared the story like, "Wow, you that really wasn't okay." Uh, I thought I thought that I was taken advantage of, but whoa, you know, you really, really were. Uh, but they've been married for like thirty years, so they're 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 cool. They're all, they're all adults now. Um, so. <laughs> Um, we talked about what it was like when you first fell in love. The, the, the butterflies in your stomach when you first fell in love. For, for Susan, it was pterodactyls in her stomach. But, but the butterflies that you felt when you, when you were in love and that, that experience that you had. And I encourage you to remember that experience of falling in love with Jesus. The things that you did. Because Jesus tells the church in Ephesus what to do. He says, you guys have forgotten your first love. He says, Here's what you need to do, and it's one of, if not two, if not the only direct advice that Jesus gives in the entire Bible. He says, here's what you need to do. Remember where you have fallen from, repent, and do the works you did at first. So remember, repent, and do. So when we fall out of love with our spouse or when our relationship gets rocky, we need to remember what brought us together to begin with. We need to remember what it was like when we experienced that first love. We need to repent means we need to repent that we're not where we are supposed to be anymore and we've fallen from that. It doesn't mean that you can't get back on track. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It just means remember how it used to be. Repent that it's not that way anymore and start doing what you did at first. And I encourage you, start doing the things that you did at first when you fell in love with Jesus Christ. What did you used to do I've had talks with some of you. You shared, like, well, I used to read scripture all the time. I used to listen to worship music all the time. I used to spend hours in prayer. I used to do these things. And the thing is, Jesus has never moved in our relationship, has he? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is the friend, the Bible says, that sticks closer than a brother. We are the ones that move away. 
And so if we are gonna remember, repent, and do, we need to move the gauge a little bit and get closer and closer and back to that first verse, hotter and hotter towards our and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We looked at that with our vision. Then Ladina shared a message the next week as we were starting to wind down this series about New Year. We're talking about our DNA. Each of us has, you know, physical DNA, but each of us kind of has a DNA of, of how we do things. Each of your households is run differently. E- each of your cars are set to um, different stations on your phone that you listen to. Some of you listen to good music and some of you listen to country music while you're driving. Um, everybody has this unique DNA. You have this unique thing that drives you. And, and as a church, we have a DNA as well. And so the first DNA statement we looked at was this, and I, I love it. It's we ride waves and roll with punches. We ride waves and roll with punches. And what that statement says of itself is we don't play it safe. We have big faith to step into the water to ride the waves of momentum and to stand up when life gets tough. How many of you, 2023, your life was tough? Anybody? It was tough. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called to have big faith. And yeah, we want to ride those waves of momentum as long as we can. But here's the true test of faith. The true test of faith is those of us, those of you who stand up when life gets tough and don't give up when life gets tough. Too many people bow out when things get hard. Too many people give up when marriage gets rocky. Too many people walk out when work gets difficult. When we move into a new job or a new ministry or something new in life, we think it's going to be like amazing and it's going to be super great. And then we realize, oh, Jesus promised in this world you will have tribulation. And when most of us experience tribulation, we just quit. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. We got a lot of coaches in our church even this morning, a lot of you coach basketball and track and uh, a lot of coaches here. And coaches, if you've coached young children in sports, you know that sometimes they come in just with the most eagerness and they've got all this optimism about how great it's going to be to be the star player and always have the, bo- the ball and make all the goals, all the shots. And then they find out it takes lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. Right, Milena? Lots and lots and lots and lots of practice, and a lot of athletes give up when it gets tough, and they don't ever make it out onto the field because they're not willing to put in the work. And so I love what Ladina shared, something I'd never thought of before. I don't have the quote on the screen, but she said, the way that we roll with punches determines how we ride waves. Is that what you said, Ladina? Yeah, the, the way that we roll with punches determines how we ride waves. Meaning, if you are able to stand, the Bible says, after you've done everything to stand, give up. No. It says, once you've done everything to stand, stand. Well, that's not very exciting, is it? After you've done everything to not give up, you're going to be rescued. It actually doesn't say that. That's true, but it's not what it says. After you've done everything to stand, stand. To stand, therefore, put on the armor of God. Keep on 
fighting, and that's what Ladina encouraged you to do. Keep pushing in. Keep pressing in. You guys need to keep fighting. Don't give up when life gets hard because the best days, I believe, are right around the corner, and so many people miss out on their best day because they give up on their hardest day. But imagine if you didn't give up on your hardest day, the best day that is waiting in front of you. Last week, Dwayne Smiley talked about this DNA statement. If you are saved, you serve. If you are saved, if you've been saved by Jesus, you serve. If we're not careful, Christianity could turn into a cult, and it often does, that says if you are serving, then you'll be saved. Or if you serve, you'll be saved. Work out your salvation. Earn your salvation. But how many of you know and are grateful that you can't earn your salvation? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is a gift of God so that no one may boast. And so it's not if you serve, you're saved. It's if you are saved, you serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, if any amongst you wants to be great, become a servant, not a volunteer, right, Dwayne? Become, become a servant. So if you are saved, you serve because we were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you and I could walk into them. And so because we're saved and out of our salvation, you and I, we are called to serve. How many of you think serving is fun? Raise your hand if you think serving is fun. Okay, I don't think that. Doesn't matter, though, does it? Because if we're saved, we're served. Yesterday, me and uh, my friend Eric and uh, Brandon, not one of us said, you know what? It is fun to carry an 800-pound desk, right? Not, at one point, I never looked at Eric and was like, dude, this, this, is, this is how we want to spend our Saturday. But it doesn't matter because I know I can call a guy like Eric and he's there. It doesn't matter because I know I can call a guy like Brandon and he's there. I, there are people that I know they have a desire to serve. Now, some of you are in places in life where you can't serve as much, and I get it, or you're just too weak to pick up a desk like Eric and I can, but God has called us to serve. It doesn't matter if I want to serve or not. God calls me to serve, and when we are saved, we serve. And so that statement says, we are not consumers, but as a church, everyone contributes to kingdom growth with time, with treasure, and with talent. So these are the things we've discussed and looked at. And I just want to wrap up our time today just going over um, just two more of our DNA statements. Actually, I'll do, I'll do three. And I want to close with Joshua chapter one, and then you guys are going to go, you're going to go eat. I know how many of you are looking forward to lunch today. It's too early but it's coming, okay? Lunch is coming. I know what I'm getting at the yard today. Lunch is coming. Okay. DNA statement is this, one we haven't discussed, and it's really where I wanted to land in this series. It is this. We are for this generation. We are for this generation. You say, Pastor, what is this generation? It means the one that's living now. What is this generation? It means starting at the oldest baby boomers that are still alive. If you're a baby boomer, say amen. <laughs> it means going down 
to the greatest generation of ever, Generation X, say, amen. Like, well, that's the devil horns. Okay, I get it. Amen. (laughs) Um, For the, the really large, bigger than everybody else generation that everybody's learning to love, the millennials. It's that generation too. And then for what I think is the, the coolest generation around is this new Gen Z generation. If that's you, say, say um, some, some Generation Z word, like Riz or something like that. <laughs> Slay, yeah, that too, okay. Whatever it is that you, you guys say. Um, there is a Duolingo app for Gen Z. They'll help you learn some of the words that they use. Um, but we are for this generation, And what this means is this. Youth are the church of today. Let me say that again. Youth are the church of today. I don't like it when people say, the youth are our future. No, they're not. The youth is the church of tomorrow. No, it's not. They're the church of today. Youth are the church of today. And here's the truth. They are our VIPs. Does anybody actually know what VIPs means, by the way? Oh, wow, more than I thought. I was like five years ago I learned what that meant. Um, Very important persons. I've never been a VIP, I don't know, but very important person. Youth are our very important persons. Youth are our VIPs. Youth are our most fertile soil. What that means is is if you want to reach someone for Jesus, start when they're young. The the numbers are all over the place, but it's somewhere around 85% of all Christians alive receive Jesus before their 19th birthday. That means if you want to reach someone for Jesus, the most fertile time for that to happen, the greatest opportunity is under the age of 21 years old. How many of you wish you were still under the age of 21? Yes. Youth are our most fertile soil. And they are our greatest evangelists. What does that mean? That means that if children start coming to church, if teenagers start coming to church, the likelihood that their families will or will show up at church is pretty high. Youth are our greatest evangelists. Seems like things in our culture trickle up. They trickle up from youth to older people. Everybody wants to be young and youthful. And so if we can reach young people, we can reach the world Youth are our VIPs, our most fertile soil, our greatest evangelists, and here's the most important part. They are to be invested in by their elders, by their elders. Elders is a word we're using a lot more than we ever used to, I've noticed lately. I've heard a lot of young Gen Z people, like, our elders. I'm like, who are you talking about? Like, those people in their 20s, those are our elders. Okay. (laughs) So here's what an elder is. An elder is someone who's older than someone else. How many of you this morning are older than somebody else? We all are. We're all older than someone else. And as an older person, as an old person, as an elder, it is your duty, it is your obligation, it is your responsibility, it is your mandate to teach up children in the ways that they should go so that when they are old, They will not depart from it. It is our responsibility as elders to invest into our young people. 
And I can tell you with certainty that our young people are craving mentors. I can tell you with certainty that our young people desire older people to come alongside of them and to help them and to bless them. And I want to brag on my own mom for a minute who's here. My mom is 81 years old. And it is such a joy to me to watch her interact with so many of you young people in our church and encourage you and bless you and really make you feel special. And it's, it's an honor to get to watch her do that. And so if you are, again, 83 or if you're 18, there are people that are younger than you who are looking up to you. And so take that responsibility seriously because we are for this generation. And so I don't care that there's kids running around here today because that's why we're here, right? If that's a problem for you, this is not the church for you. It's okay to have kids be seen and it's okay to have kids be heard. Is there boundaries? Yeah, there is. I get it. Yeah. But do you want your kids to remember you for telling them to shut up all the time or be quiet because adults are talking? Or do you want your kids to remember you because they heard and listened to what you, you heard and listened to what they had to say? Children are to be seen and heard. And so let's do what we can to invest into this generation. And the last two DNA statements I'll go over are, are this. Sorry, unsupported file type. That's not good news. <laughs> okay, here we go. With all this being said, we just spent four or five weeks looking at these things. Here's, here's where the two DNA statements I want to end on, and then like I said, we're reading Joshua chapter one. This one, some people are like, whoa, we don't like this DNA statement, but I want you to think about it. We're for anyone but not for everyone. And here's what this statement says. It's, we are welcoming. So this is us as a church, but this should be your home too. We are welcoming to anyone. Anyone's welcome, right? Anyone is welcome to come and worship with us. Amen? Anyone can come. We are welcoming to anyone, but we understand not everyone will get it. Not everyone will get our vision. And that's okay. It's okay. We're focused on God's unique calling for us. Um, as a pastor, it's funny because people come into churches and they're like, they're like, tell you about how horrible their last church was, how, how awful their last church was, like all the bad things that have happened. And then about three weeks in, they're like, our old church used to do this. Our old church used to do that. And they're all good things. Like, we used to do this. We used to do this. Like, why'd you leave? It sounds like you had it pretty good there. And what that turns into is, we're not so sure if you're a very good church because you're not doing the things our old church were doing that we got so mad at that we left, and so we just want to we just want to change buildings, and we want you to do the things that they wanted us that, that, that we like doing. And so, would you just make us comfortable? We're here for us. And it's interesting, is it, that, that, that we're looking for a church that makes us feel comfortable? We're looking for a church where we get served, but. The reality is we're, we're supposed to be looking for a family of faith that can rally together and support each other and go and reach people for Jesus. And I understand that some people will do it with hymns. Some people will do it with pastors wearing purple robes. Some people will do it with pastors wearing ties. Some people will do it for all sorts of things. And the beauty of that, Salem could use 100 more churches tomorrow and it wouldn't be enough. It's because every pastor, every leader, every person is called to reach a unique 
set of people. And so if one of you started a church tomorrow and I asked you, hey, why did you start a new church? And you could say with all honesty, and I should celebrate with you because God's called me to reach people that you haven't. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. That's why we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. It's not about us and feeling comfortable. It's about reaching those who are perishing without Christ and exponentially growing his kingdom. And so if you're here and if you're like, I really like not standing when I worship, I just would like to sit and be solemn, awesome. You can either do that here or find a place where they're just going to sit down. That's fine. It doesn't matter to us what church you're in. What matters to us is that you're serving Jesus, that you are connected to community, and that you're flourishing in that community. And I applaud every church and every pastor in town that has people in their seats, and more importantly, people serving, doing that very thing. So we're for anyone, but we're not for everyone. And because of that, there's no fence. There's no fence. How many of you grew up watching Home Improvement? What was the neighbor's name? Wilson, okay. Kept thinking Al, but that was, that was the co. So, yeah, Wilson. How many of you just wish you could have seen Wilson's entire face? Like, what if he was just this amazing, attractive man we were missing out on, on the entire time? All we could see was above, above his nose. He was living in the day of masks 25 years before it ever happened. Like, wow, Wilson's eyes are real pretty. But... You see, there's fences that divide us, and, and we have this old euphemism in our culture. They're like, hey, are you sitting on the fence? Are you riding the fence? Meaning, like, you, you need to make a decision. You, you need to decide. Like Jesus said, are, are you for me or are you against me? Like Joshua said in the book of Joshua, hey, decide today who you will serve, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. You're either serving Jesus or you're not. You're either in relationship with Jesus Christ or you're not. In marriage, you can't be on the fence. You're either married or you're not. You're like, well, my relationship's complicated. That's not really a relationship. You gotta be all in. And so as a church, whatever church you choose to be in, think of it in this way. There's no fence to sit on here. We stand behind the leaders. We stand behind the vision. And if we're here, we're all in. And if we're not all in, we're not here. Find somewhere you can be all in, in. But if you're here, and, and you guys are, be all in. Look to see how you can flourish and serve. And most importantly, look to see how you can connect with other people. There are people who are just waiting to be in connection and relationship with you that can serve and help you in times of need. You need to have people. And last night we had some of our elders sharing testimonies of how this community helped them in times of need be known. Be known so people can help you in times of need and know others so others can help you in times of need. Everybody needs to have an Eric that you can call to help move an 800-pound desk. Right? Everybody needs, uh, she's not here this morning, but everybody needs an Andy Hawkins who can cook an amazing loaf of sourdough bread. Everybody needs people in your life that offer things that they have to offer, and you have things to offer them, right? Everybody needs one another. Everybody needs a Brandon to play beautiful keys and pound on drums. Everybody needs to fit in the body of Jesus Christ, and we're called to be in the body. So read this scripture with me, and Ryan's going to come close with a final song. 
our timing has worked perfect because for about eight weeks, God just kept saying, pause on the message series, pause on the message series, pause on the message series. And so next week, I'm going to be opening up our series on um, the very uncontroversial book of the Bible, a very easy book to study, very simple, feel-good book, 1 Corinthians. And you're like, oh, that sounds exciting. Well, read 1 Corinthians. It's not, okay? <laughs> that church was, was rough, okay? I had some trouble. We're going to be looking um, from now until Easter at 1 Corinthians, and we're going to spend about four weeks after Easter, too, wrapping up 1 Corinthians. And let me just tell you, kids' church better be ready to go in two weeks, okay? <laughs> if you've read 1 Corinthians, you know, like, it's the perfect timing. Like, even if the carpet's not in, they're going downstairs, okay? <laughs> they don't need to know about the drama in Corinth in the year 40, 50 AD, all right? They, they just don't need to know yet. They can learn, learn about Moses for a while. But we're going to dig deep into Corinthians. You're like, well, I always wonder what this verse means in Corinthians. Well, we're going to go there. We're not going to skip over the head coverings. We're not going to skip over the homosexual parts. We're not going to skip over all the stuff that we like to make it look nice and neat and happy because it's just not, okay? We're going to read God's word, look at what it says. Next week, I'll give an introduction to the, to the really put-together church in Corinth. And then the next week, we're going to dive in, and we're going to study this book in sections based off of the categories of things Paul talks about. So our first series will be on leadership, then we're going to talk about church drama, and then we're going to start talking about sex later on, okay? So real, real exciting time to be in church. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians, and uh, so stick with us as we jump into that next week. But I'm going to wrap up this series with Joshua chapter 1. Moses has died Moses has led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt toward the land of Canaan, which God had promised them generations before. Due to Israel's sin, God forced them to wander 40 years aimlessly in the desert before they were allowed to enter. In the meantime, Moses screwed up. Moses did something he wasn't supposed to do. Not even he's permitted to go. And only two original guys get to go in. And their names are Joshua and, do you guys know the other guy's name? Yeah, Joshua and Caleb. He's, he's two guys. Our worship leader, Joshua, has a brother named Caleb. Their parents were overambitious in their spirituality. Um, but Joshua and Caleb, Joshua chapter 1, when Moses dies, God tells Joshua... This, this remaining faithful guy along with Caleb over the age of 40. He says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I'll just point out, I appreciate Dwayne last week. He doesn't say Moses, my volunteer, is dead, right? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise... Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. The Jordan was a river. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as promised to Moses. Now you might say, well, pastor, that's for Israel. God's promise is not that for us, but it is. Because Jesus said, not go over the Jordan. He says, go into the whole world. Make disciples of all nations. He says, I'm with you always 
He said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. And so if we're about advancing God's kingdom and not our own empire, but if we're advancing God's kingdom, then every place our foot touches does belong not to us, but to him. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Where's your territory? It's anywhere that you bring the gospel of Jesus is his territory. Verse number five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Oh, this is where we get this verse. I will never leave you or forsake you. Pay attention. Be strong and courageous. Wow, Spencer shared that in our time of ministry. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, God always reiterates what's important he does through this entire book. He says, only be strong and, what's it say? Very. Be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Last two verses, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do accordingly to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When will we be prosperous? When will we have success? When we follow God's word and don't depart from it. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. So here's Joshua with a million people on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They're going to experience all this battle. And over the next couple chapters, God gives Joshua instructions on how to go in. He says, get all the people ready, gather the priest, and let the priest go in front of the people carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the manifest presence of God. And God says, those priests, they have to put their feet into the water, and the moment that they step into the water, holding on to the presence of God, the waters of the Jordan will back up upstream ahead of them, and all of Israel will walk across. But there, there's some very, there's some VIPs, some very important people that actually had to do something before anything would happen. It was those priests, right? They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They had to step into the water before the water would be held back. It took a first step for them to take all the steps into the promised land. God's calling each and every one of you today to take a step of faith into the water. Take a step of faith into the water. But what if I drown? Be strong and courageous. What if the enemy starts flinging arrows at us as we're in the water? Be strong and courageous. What if the water doesn't get held back? Be strong and courageous. Have faith. 
what if little freshwater crabs start clawing and pinching my large toes and those feet that suck skin off of your feet start sucking all over your legs? You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I was baptizing an 85-year-old man in the Jordan River, and that was happening to me while I was baptizing him. It's not pleasant. Doesn't matter, Anthony. Be strong and courageous. You baptize this old guy because I, I've got him here for this. What if I don't have money? What if no one comes? What if no one listens? No, what, if, what if no one serves? What if no one gives? What if no one supports what we're doing? I didn't tell you to ask what if. I told you to be strong and courageous. Well, God... What if someone else goes before me and then I'll step in? No, 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 no. You, you take the step first. You, you take the step first. Just, just one step into the water and, and I got you covered. There are very few times where God doesn't call us to take a step of faith before he shows up in a miraculous way. Right? There's very few times. God's calling some of you specifically this morning to take the leap. Okay, to take the leap of faith. In what, Pastor? You, you know. I don't have to tell you. It's God's working on you, not me. Take the leap of faith. Jump. Take the step and watch the waters be held back. Take the step in order to take the next step. And most importantly, take the step so everyone behind you can take the step as well. Because those of you who are leaders, you've got to take that first step and others will follow. So some of you are holding back a lot of talents this morning. Some of you are holding back a lot of your time. Some of you are actually holding back a lot of your money. And you've got a lot of time, treasure, and talent to give, and you're holding back because you've got this big God in front of you named what if that you're serving. And at the end of Joshua, God says, choose today who you'll serve. Are you going to serve this great big Scary God, what if? Or are you going to serve God most high? Are you going to serve Yahweh, the self-existent creator God who was and is and is to come, who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? That's the God we serve. you got to choose today. And some of you just need to take just, just one step in the water. So would you stand? Ryan's going to lead us in a song, and I'd love for you, if you'd, like, if you'd like prayer today, if God's calling you to take a leap and you don't know what it is or you know what it is and you need some help, would you just begin to fill the altar and some of our pastors will just lay hands on you briefly, pray for you. Caitlin's gonna come dismiss you in a minute. But don't miss out on opportunity today to put your foot in the water. God bless this time in Jesus' name.